who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to this special spoiler review episode from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! We're back at it to continue our spoiler reviews of the Mandalorian season three, and today we're talking about chapter nineteen, the Foundling, or chapter twenty rather, the Foundling. This one directed by Carl Weathers. That's right, Apollo Creed. Grief Cargo, for those of you who know the uh, characters in The Mandalorian. I hope you do if you're watching this spoiler review. We're going to break it all down. A lot happened in this one. A little Bo-Katan smelling, smelling leadership yet again. And we get a little Grogu flashback to Jedi Order 66. And we get the return of an actor closing the circle yet again from the prequel trilogy, the great Ahmad Beth. So we got a lot to get into here on this episode of uh, the Geek Buddies, but let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw John Rogan, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work on Netflix right now with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, seasons one and two. Yeah, a lot of fun to jump into that as well. I'm waiting for the Mandalorian uh, uh, Strawberry Shortcake episode. Come on, you got to do a Mando, Barry. There's got to be one like that. Come on. The the Mangalorian. Oh. 
he's oh, quick. God. You know what? He's quick. That's the thing that I like about it. He's quick. You know, he he's is quick. quick. Like he's he quick. No accounting for quality, but speed oh. is right there. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, let's jump into this thing. Uh, chapter 20, the foundling. As I mentioned, a lot happened here. I like to talk, uh, start out with the overall thoughts. So, Michael, please take it away. Uh, certainly, we weren't um, uh, dealing with the doctor and dealing with uh, Aaliyah there, but we did get Monument Square. So what did you think of this episode? Yeah, we took a break. Uh, we took a break from fixing the new trilogy and just focused <laughs> on the Mandalorian story. So that was fun. Uh, I, I was I was very I. So I always like before I go to the gym in the morning on Wednesday, I just check to see like how long the Mandalorian episode is. And when it's like above 45 minutes getting into the 50 minutes, I get really happy. But when I see 32 minutes, I get really I get really kind of like grumpy. I'm like, this yeah. is it. Yeah. I was like, once you factor in those credits, like this is barely a 30 minute episode. I was like, they better pack this thing full of good shit if they're going to make me happy. And then you know what? They made me happy. Yeah. Uh, we got we got a lot of Mandalorians, Mandalorianing all over the place. We got some monsters. We got a big uh, Order sixty six flashback. We got uh, listen. I'm gonna tell you right now. We've all had a lot of conversations about who saved Grogu. People mm. thought Mace Windu saved Grogu. People thought Barriss Offee saved Grogu. People thought Qui Gon Jinn's ghost came out of uh, Holocron and saved Grogu. Like, people had everyone on the list. Nobody had Jar Jar Binks. Nobody, well, nobody had Jar Jar Binks in their Star Wars bingo card, and yeah. that was quite a surprise. So yeah, I liked it. Have a lot of thoughts about Bo Katan, but uh, just like a fun, enjoyable, rip roaring Star Wars adventure episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, Shannon, your thoughts overall on these thir- on these uh, thirty two minutes here of uh, Mandalorian goodness from season three. I liked it. There, in terms of content, like it was very enjoyable and it was exciting. And I think Carl Weathers did a really good job in terms of the direction. But thus far into the series, it's sort of like the, the further we get away from episode one, I'm like, why'd you do why'd you do that episode? Like, uh, why didn't yeah. you just start with episode two? I mean. Like the 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 information that we got in Book of Boba Fett from the armorer was he's got to go to the mines of Mandalore. Right. In episode one, he shows up and he says, "Well, I got to go to the mines of Mandalore." The armorer, the one who told him he has to go, there's a well, that's impossible. It's like, okay, you know, I I I'm struggling with the show a little bit because it's I've never quite gotten over the fact that they reunited Grogu and Mando in Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It's like why you know you had this terrific Mandalorian episode in a show that had nothing connected to your lead. But you had this great Mandalorian episode that would have been an incredible season premiere. Like, yeah. and, and, and you know, the, the way that it was sort of set up by the end, uh, at least with the Book of Boba Fett, is season three, it's going to be about Mando getting to these minds. And like by episode two, he's, he's done it. Like, he, it's, he, he, he's accomplished that goal. Like, in terms of action, I feel like this season, we've gotten some of the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, episode three, that chase um with with Bo-Katan at the beginning like that was just fantastic it just it felt so Star Wars but right now even though we what we got in this episode was fun mm-hmm. and it seems a little bit more about Bo-Katan which is cool it's a little like what are we doing like th- there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of forward momentum right now and when you don't have a ton of episodes in your season it's like I, I feel like we're treading water. It's really great water. It's very warm and relaxing and fun, but it's just like we're not we're not going forward. Okay. So even though I did enjoy it, I think my 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 
patience with everything is starting to decrease a little bit. All right. That's fair. I think that's cool. fair, actually. Yeah, I liked it. I, I thought it was a good episode. But yeah, I agree. I, I was missing the more weightier aspects of The Mandalorian that I wanted to see. But I still enjoyed the episode for what it was, especially because the last episode, I'm still kind of on the fence about whether I liked it or didn't like it. There were aspects that I liked. But what this episode really showed me is, yeah, you're right, Shannon. It's like the Mandalorian's kind of receding a little bit to the background as Bo-Katan's story starts to be something that's important. And I wonder what how that's going to connect up if we're going to get Ahsoka in this season. How is that going to connect up to Bo? What is going to be the conversation there? And then what we're going to get with, uh, with Grogu. Is Grogu going to become a Mandalorian? That seems really odd in the approach. What is the process here? Is this just one of his life experiences along with order 66 that's going to shape who he eventually becomes down the road so a lot of questions in my mind but yes i but uh, carl weathers i mean this is two episodes now two seasons in a row where he has directed some fantastic action he knows exactly i mean action jackson knows what's up man he knows what he's doing with the camera he knows how to bring you into some fun moments and i think for sure overall this is someone they should be looking at down the road to direct more episodes of star wars even in the series that he's not actually in as a character. It could be fun to see Carl Weathers' approach to things down the road. So uh, let's get into it, though. We'll break it down by two storylines. We'll jump into the uh, uh, Yoda story, or the, sorry, the Gurgu storyline, then jump into the Bo-Katan storyline and have our conversations about that. So um, let's deal with uh, baby Grogu here. We see after the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan go on this war party thing, Grogu is there with the armor on the beach. And the armor is like, uh, if you want to be a Mandalorian, if you want to be a real foundling, we got to have a conversation. Of course, this is also on the heels of uh, baby Grogu beating uh, Paz Vizsla's son, Ragnar, there in a little war over darts. Uh, gets the best of him using um, his flip uh, abilities, which, of course, we've seen Yoda use in the past. And uh, Bo-Katan gives, uh, asks Din Djarin if he taught him that. And he says, well, I didn't teach him that, essentially implying either Luke or Ahsoka taught grogu how to move around like that so very interesting stuff that kind of alludes to what shannon was talking about the episodes that were in the book of boba fett but anyway we go into where the armor is she starts talking about the iron ore and it's the foundation and starts pounding away to say that this is how you get forged through your uh, trials and tribulations and it sends him into a ptsd flashback and grogu looks really stressed as these hammer blows are coming down on the armor that's being built for him and he ends up going back to what I would say, what is uh, the prequel trilogy here at Order 66, seeing the Jedi fighting off these clone troopers back and forth here. This is all going down. The Jedi are getting killed. Then they say, get them to, uh, 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 was it Be Kelleron? Uh, Belleron. Get them to Belleron. And then, what the hell is that? And he gets on an elevator, gets taken all the way to the top of this thing. Oh, Kelleron, rather. Kelleron back. Gets all the way to the top of this thing, and boom, the elevator opens, and there is Kelleron Beck, Ahmad Best. And what a surprise there. The actor who played uh, Jar Jar Binks and, of course, received an incredible amount of guff for that, and so much so that he uh, contemplated suicide. There are a lot of articles that talked about what he went through. And the fandom, as they got older from the prequel trilogy, really sought to embrace Ahmad Best, and that's what kind of really brought him back uh, to center here. And, of course, he's been part of that kid show that they had. That's where Keller and Beck was first introduced so we see him there bringing grogu out onto this platform and these troopers show up and my man goes double lightsabers on these guys fights them off gets into that speeder bike or that uh cycle there they take off 
uh, and they land on a platform. These troopers follow them down. They end up jumping into a ship, taking off, going into space, and Grogu comes back from his flashback there with the armorer, and she puts on that uh, uh, piece of armor there for him that's made of Beskar armor, talking about tradition of these Mandalorians taking a piece of their uh, winnings and giving it uh, to the foundlings here, and that's what they've got, and that's what Grogu is wearing, and she attaches it to the armor that um, uh, Din Djarin had given him in the Book of Boba Fett, and so now he has this uh, piece by piece, another piece of armor here for him, and she's essentially saying, for when you achieve your station, this is another thing for you to have on your armor. So, very interesting stuff here. Uh, Mike, what did you think about how this all went down with Grogu, with Order 66, Keller and Beck, and uh, what happens at the end there with him getting the armor? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all interesting. Uh, you know, kind of going back to what Shannon says, because I think Shannon makes a good point, like, mm. we are kind of dealing with for both Dinjarin and Grogu, there's no immediate issue. Yeah. Which is what the, like, we, we all sort of gravitate to Bo-Katan because we know what Bo-Katan wants. Dinjarin, he went in the water. He's good. He's chilling back at yeah. home with the Mandalorians. He's right. back in, he's back with the crew. And Grogu isn't really in danger at the moment. Um, and I do think they made a huge error by having the biggest character development between the two of them happen in another series. Because to your, like, I think Grogu is a Mandalorian now. I mean, mm. he he made a choice. Luke was like, hey, you can be a Jedi. Right. Or you can go be with your Mando friend. And Grogu was like, cool. This has been fun. Thank you for teaching me to jump. I'm going to go hang with my Mando friend. So, yeah, like, Grogu is kind of going down the Tarvisla. Tarvisla? That's the first one, right? The, yeah, that was Paz the Jedi. Vizla. Yes. Well, no, Paz Vizla is John Favreau. in the show. Right, right. Who are you talking about? the original Mandalorian Jedi who made the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, That's the road that Grogu's going down. Grogu yeah. is kind of the, he's he's got Jedi abilities and he's a Mandalorian. So I think that is, they're building towards that. Um, and I think it's all fun. And I think using this episode to kind of take a little bit of a step back and kind of give us the next chapter of Grogu's story, which is escaping the Jedi temple yeah. was really fun. Um, Keller and Beck, like I said, total surprise. Yeah. Uh, and it was nice. It was just sweet. Like, it's one of this is one of those weird things where Keller and Beck, within the context of the Jedi Order and Order 66 and the prequels, doesn't really mean anything one way or the other. You're like, mm -hmm. you're like okay, he's a Jedi. He was there. He saved Grogu. Yeah. But the fact that they kind of went out of their way to give Ahmad Best this role and to kind of say the guy who played Jar Jar gets to be the one that saves Grogu uh it's just nice it's just yeah. nice start this is one of those moments where it's a nice kind of fan servicey moment but it's like a fan servicey moment that is like a warm fuzzy fan servicey moment so i was like i'll take it <laughs> um i thought the whole thing i thought carl weathers did do a great job with this episode the one place where i think he didn't do the greatest job was the double lightsaber attack on the platform oh. before they took off on coruscant i was like it was fine like like if you're gonna have ahmed best and you're gonna like have him let of his moment like let's uh let's have some Jedi action there. Let's really like go for it. And I was kind of like, okay, it was fine. It was a nice like wide shot. He had two lightsabers. He did some stuff. They jumped on the thing. But once they jumped into uh, the speeder and kind of took yeah. off, really a lot of fun. I mean, they clearly were like, hey, we spent a lot of money to make Coruscant look like it did in the prequels. Let's use it in as many episodes as possible. Yeah, um, but we got like a really, really fun chase sequence that just like last week, if you are a prequels fan, if you're a Clone Wars fan, like it was all the goodness. Um, and then we got this chapter. So we got, you know, Keller and Beck got him to the ship. 
the whoever ship this was was clearly like expecting more Jedi. Yeah, Rogu's all they got, and they took off. So, what senator is this? Where is they? Where are they going? Like Grogu, there's a lot of time to cover. It's not like Grogu left Coruscant to get away, and Mando picked him up pretty soon after. Like you got the entire original trilogy to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is Revenge of the Sith. There is the entirety to get to New Hope, and then there's New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and then Mando picks Grogu up. So there's still a lot more of his story to tell uh, and his journey of where he's been for the past, you know, what is that, 18, 19, 20, like 20 odd years. So it's going to be interesting to see how they expand that. Um, As far as everything else, you know, him getting the best car, him coming, like, it's interesting. Like, I think they've kind of, in my opinion, and this kind of gets to what Shannon's saying about the patients. Like, Grogu's great. We yeah. all love Grogu. But <laughs> Grogu yeah. being adorable and eating animals and kind of being cute and giving everybody looks has kind of gotten they've they've taken that story about as far as it can go. Yeah, yeah. And now that he's no longer the MacGuffin that needs to be protected or the thing that the Empire is after, or like like I think they made really good use of him in episode two when he yeah. left to go get Bo-Katan, but I think we need to see Grogu become a little bit more active. So I really loved all the flashback stuff. I really like how they're giving us like these little bits of that. I am intrigued in the, about the idea of him stepping up to become a Mandalorian. I think long term, you get to like you know post uh, post new trilogy, and we get a Grogu that's sort of a teenage Grogu that's running around in his little Mandalorian helmet and also has a lightsaber. Like I'm sold. Like I'm in. Like give it to me. <laughs> what we do between then and there, uh, I'm I'm kind of curious to see what they've got planned. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure he ends up a Mandalorian, even though he is now a foundling Mandalorian in essence. I just don't know necessarily if he's going to be a Mandalorian, but it'll be interesting to see. But certainly, I mean, I would love to get some armor from the armor. That was an awesome design on his uh, rondelle there. That was pretty cool to see. Um, Shannon, your thoughts on how they handled Grogu in this episode from the fight with um, Ragnar there with the darts to the PTSD, uh, the flashbacks, and then boom, back here to get the, his piece of armor, his Beskar armor there. I think with the action specifically, um, when they are able to just kind of put everything in the computer when it comes to like chases and everything, it's really good. Like you, you can see that they, they do have a little bit more cash and they're able to flex those muscles a little bit more. I think when you add the live action elements, um, you do start to see the constraints of what they can do, what this particular production can do. Hmm. Um, Watching Grogu flip back and forth. That's a lot of fun. Could it have been a little more dynamic instead of flip, flip, boom, boom, boom. Yes, yes, but also this is a very this is a very tiny child, and just the conversation that Ragnar was having, that the 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 referee was having, being like he's too little, he's too little, like nah, he's gonna be fine. Um, you know, it, it there there was room if money were not an option to really kind of blow that out. Yeah. Um, but money is money is a it's a thing, and like there's only kind of so much you can do in terms of you know, the character moments of uh, Grogu, you know, taking uh, Ragnar to school, you know, that was a lot of fun. And and you do get a, an idea of because of 
his species slow aging yeah the forecast of what they're going to be able to do with grogu as vogel was saying like you get to the sequel trilogy and he looks more like a teenager um you know you're gonna have this cross between you know boba fett from the clone wars and yoda like this this is there's a lot there's a long future for this character yeah um when we get to that flashback sequence again, like I, I wouldn't put everything on Carl Weathers just because, right. you know, there's only so much he can do. Um, but I do agree. The moment that Abed Best <laughs> picked up those two lightsabers, like, all right, here we go. And again, it's a very kind of static shot. I mean, the the moment that he runs out onto that platform with Grogu, and again, this is this is the the limitations of the volume. Um, it is just kind of a static shot. Like obviously, you don't want a bunch of people running around because they're literally running from the clone troopers. Yeah. But it just looks kind of flat and still. The moment that they get on that speeder bike and go into the city, and you see all the traffic, that's where the action, that's where the excitement really gets ratcheted up. Because yeah. even though like it's awesome to see Ahmed Best, you know, dual wielding lightsabers, Ahmed Best is not a young man, and you also don't have all this this you know huge lead up to the production. Like we're, we're going to teach you to do all this. Like, we're going to teach you about this much because that's what we know. This is the time we have. And we're going to make you look awesome doing it. Um, The actual chase I thought was fun. I'm really curious who those guys were because, uh, to my knowledge, this is the first time we've seen clone troopers in Order 66 take out someone who's not a Jedi. Mm. That, you know, you see those guys who are on that platform firing back. And, uh, again, as far as I know, I'm like, oh, okay, so... It's like we knew we knew the Jedi were the targets and not that they're going to sit there and just be shot at and not not respond. But it's like you see you see how far they were willing to go in Order 66. Like it doesn't matter who's in front of us. We're getting we're getting that Jedi. Um, I really liked the the uh, and granted, it's kind of a one sided dialogue, but I really liked the armorer and and Grogu. I mean, watching this sort of senior Mandalorian try to impart some wisdom on this on this you know very small child um i think they're i think that's kind of uh, a rich rich fertile land to develop in terms of storytelling um but yeah i mean it was it was a lot of fun again everything everything that we got was great yeah yeah, I mean, the chase sequence I thought was really fun. Uh, certainly seeing him, you know, d- dive in. It reminded me of, uh, I think, when they chased uh, the person who was, tried to do the assassination, I think. And in, Attack like, of the Clones. Yeah. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, like, that was really cool to see that again. And like I said, they spent that money to make it look that way. So, and certainly they've been stressing it, which has been really interesting uh, in this show and, uh, and, and seeing what we got there. And so... See him go around and then see Monument Square pop up again years years before that we saw it in the last episode with that mountain peak there. I thought it was really a nice touchstone, him escaping that train. Spent thing that money, that was, you wanted to use it. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> that train thing and everything that happened there. So I thought, they, yeah, and it was great to bring Ahmed Best back. And as again, like they brought um, Hayden Christensen back, who had also taken a lot of shit for his Anakin from a majority of the fans when those prequel trilogy uh, those films came out and look for a lot of us deservedly and for some of you not deservedly. So it's just, it's a split thing. So to see that, but the Ahmed best situation was really something that this is a young black actor who had an opportunity to be in a star Wars film and jumped at it playing a, you know, a, a character that was going to be a supposedly a regular and a much bigger part of the overall story. And then because of the backlash 
from the first movie saw his role get diminished plus he was getting so much shit even within his own community that about some of the usage of the uh, rhythm of the speech and being called all kinds of negative comments uh, there and being accused of all kinds of stuff so certainly it sent him down a, 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 a you know a tough wormhole for sure so to see him climb back out and see how the star wars fandom has re-embraced him and wanted him to be you know in a better position to see him coming in as Calloran Beck who of course I think it was started three or four years ago in, in that kid show um, to see him now be the guy that saves Grogu, at least in this situation in order 66, that was a great way to kind of bring him back and, and mm-hmm. put him back in people's good, uh, just good perceptions of him overall. And I thought that was really cool to see the armor stuff though. You know, <clears throat> it's interesting. You're right. Shannon. She has good conversations with him. It's really cool. Emily Swallow is doing a fantastic job, but we don't know what the armorers, goals are or intentions are if she's a cult leader as we've said then this whole indoctrinating you know him indoctrinating grogu into the mandalorian way the mandalorian credo talking about you know we're going to teach you we're going to give you gifts and make you feel important that's how cult leaders bring new people in you're unique you're different somehow here's a symbol of your difference and your amazingness once you're in i'm going to move on to other people but for right now you're really important. So I don't know what her into there. So there's one way to look at this really awesome conversations. And she seems so cool, but there's another side. If you're looking at it, that she might be a cult leader, that she is indoctrinating him into the cult in a way. And he's going to figure that out. And we'll have more to say. Yeah, go ahead. I'll have more to say about it with the Bo-Katan situation later. Yeah. I mean, and we'll get to there, but I mean, I think it's, and we, we kind of touched on this um, after the bow and armors uh, conversation from, uh, from before, but yeah, I don't know that the armorer is wrong and I don't know that they're a cult. Like we've like, we've had, you know, like, like early on, it was like very like, okay, well like obviously Mandalorians don't take their helmets off and whatever, but the armor does not seem to be uh, being set up to be wrong. And all of these Mandalorians don't seem to be um, doing anything that would lead me to like, like the, the, it, it's, it's taken a turn where you're like, all right, well, maybe this is cool like i don't know like yeah. somebody i was uh somebody on twitter was pointing out that this is a lot more like uh judaism and it's like reform judaism versus orthodox judaism like like what yeah. the what 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 the armorer and all of those mandalorians are doing is like they are just adhering hardcore to the old ways right and even when um we were first introduced to death watch in the clone wars animated series which is where the uh this this group sort of seems to be stemming from yeah. they were like we don't like what duchess satine is doing we're holding on to the old ways we're warriors we're arm we wear our armor we do this so what the armorer and this whole group is doing is just kind of going a bit further they're like we are obeying every rule we are we are in on the prophecy we give to the foundlings we do this we always wear our helmets we have very specific rules in the same way that an orthodox jew is always wearing like a yarmulke or something and then you get to like Bo-Katan and the others who were like a little bit more like, yeah, that's like the old ways. Like that's what we used to believe, but we're a little bit more modern. We're a little bit more reform. And so just the way everything seems to be going, whereas before I thought it was going to be like kind of the armorer and her like, this is what we believe and Bo-Katan being like, that's not right. Like this is what Mandalorians really are. It seems to be going in the other way. So it's really interesting. Well, in your perspective, in my perspective, I don't. In my perspective, I see them showing how much more adamant they are about their 
um, well, for lack of a better term, as you put it in the construct, religious beliefs about how you should be a Mandalore, who is legitimately a Mandalorian and who isn't, who follows the way and who doesn't. And we know with those Orthodox, no matter what religion you are, judgment comes with that Orthodox from from a lot of the people within Mm -hmm. that Orthodox segment to people who aren't following the rules. So they could be perceived. And that's what I'm saying. There's two perspectives here. Either she's right in this. You were meant to have sympathy for this Mandalorian covert and go with them, or she's being nice and being cool and you're supposed to like them so that when the switch happens, you're even more jarred by it. So we'll see. Certainly. And I like that it's wide open. That's kind of cool. Jen, but but also, if you don't mind my jumping in, John, please, please, um, please. the on, the only ones who have called Mando's group a cult were Bo-Katan well, yeah, Bo- and, and her people. Yeah. Like, in turn, you know, that's that's not some that's not a, a point of view that's been shared widely. So, you know, you look at where you start with Bo-Katan, that she looks at this group of Mandalorians who don't take their helmets off. Um, you know, in, in front of everyone, and you see her starting to learn. I mean, the Judaism example, that's really, that's really apt. I mean, it's like you, you see her starting to learn the other side of this culture. I mean, I feel like at this point, like if they, if they were to have the armorer and the rest of the covert make it kind of make that villainous turn, it would feel with what they've set up, it would feel really inauthentic. Um, it, it seems like this is about Bo-Katan discovering her mandalorian roots because everything that the armor has done it doesn't seem at least fr- from season one it doesn't seem um villainous like it's like hey this is how we do it you broke the one rule you can't do this unless you do- go do this thing you did it okay you're back in and it wasn't like a self-serving thing for the covert it was like you, you got to go take a bath in these waters do that bath because i i I say that the waters are uh, corrupt and you can't go so just you're fucked well she didn't say they were corrupt she said the planet is cursed no 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 bokatan said the planet is cursed she said the waters don't you can't get to the waters they're poisonous it's not good for you you're not going to be able to do it sorry you're out but shannon but but i think what shannon's saying and i think it like it could go anyway like you're not wrong like it could turn on a dime that's where i push back i think it would be authentic well, I, no, I think Shannon's right about that. Like, there's like aside from Bo-Katan calling them a cult and us thinking it's weird that Mandalorians don't take their helmets off, nothing that the covert has done since season one has been bad. Like, there's not been a thing like we thought it's weird. Um, like, it's not like the whole they have some very specific rules that seem a little odd, but nothing that they've done has been self-serving or villainous or even in a gray area like they've been protecting their own and in hiding and they have some weird rules like that like like so this this whole idea that we've been like and, and i'm i but mean I, we, bashed, i've been doing it too they've bashed bo katan's family i mean armor did that in that episode in the book of boba fett she talked about how uh their arrogance led to the split the division and why all the stuff, why all the wars happened on Mandalore, if they had just followed her ways, they'd have been fine and they would never have had an issue. So there have been little well, moments. And certainly I mean, to the armor, but again, as that's Pat just. And, and, and uh, didn't have their fight and doing nothing about it. That's not necessarily the best way to go about that kind of situation. So, well, I thought but, that Paz, but like that's their culture. Like he challenged Din and they fought. And mm-hmm. as far as the Bo Katan stuff, like. Duchess Satine went, we're going to be pacifists. Right. And Bo-Katan said, I'm going to go join Death Watch. Right, right, and right. they did sort of split the culture. And then when Bo-Katan got the Darksaber and said, I'm going to unite Mandalore, 
it didn't work. That is why Bo-Katan is where she's at and kind of on her journey. So when the armorer says Bo-Katan and her family and their arrogance split Mandalore, again, that's not an incorrect statement. No, but she's implying that her way, they wouldn't have, that wouldn't have happened. And I think that's an incorrect statement itself because no rigid way of running things has ever worked because every species, no matter where they're from, has a rebellious nature to being told what to do at every second of every day and being ostracized for simply taking off your helmet, you know, which we'll get to in the Bo-Katan storyline. But, you know, let's, let's show me. So I like, I like, we all have different opinions on this. I think the turn can still happen. Uh, and that's what good cult leaders do make you think, hey, they seem all right. They don't seem to be bothering anybody, you know. I'm sure nobody gave a shit about Manson until they started killing people. All right, anyway, let's take a break and we'll jump into the Bo-Katan storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. After this, <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, it was, they're just a bunch of hippies on a ranch. They're not hurting anybody, and then oh, they kill Sharon Tate. So, anyway, uh, well, according to Tarantino, they did. But anyway, let's move on to this thing. We open on the Mandalorian clan training, and no surprise, they're doing a bunch of rocky training on the beach. Carl Weathers directing this episode. Uh, Bo Katan is watching it all. Uh, we see blasters, hand-to-hand combat. For the, we see the weapons of fire, the jetpacks, all of this. Uh, and this looks like an army in training. In my point of view, I know you think they're doing nothing wrong, Michael, but in my point of view, I'm seeing an army in training ready to take over something. Um, she spy, uh, Bo-Katan spies Grogu training himself in the sands with the crabs and the rocks, which is really interesting. Kind of small comment about perspective, what may look like something to you or something else underneath. I like that underneath the surface. Um, Mando says that he needs to train with other foundlings, and then he lines up Grogu to challenge, as we mentioned here. Uh, that happens. Bo-Katan arms Grogu with the darts, says, and with the darts, and says, "Don't worry, that's how my dad trained me. Your dad's just being in support of you." And we see what happens there. I mentioned it earlier. Where as the kid walks off here, as Ragnar walks off, mad that he lost, a pterodactyl comes out of nowhere, takes him, and the Mandalorians follow with their jetpacks one by but one by one. They run out of fuel, and just when they're about to give up, who comes storming overhead? But Bo-Katan in her ship. Uh, and that shot of it, I said, against the sun is pretty badass, I thought. So Bo ends up coming back and says she has found the nest of the creature. They come up with a plan with Bo-Katan, Mando, Paz Vizsla, and the armor. They're figuring it all out. They take off. Uh, and then we see, of course, the armor take Grogu into the cave. Uh, then we get to they could then they end up on they eventually end up here on this uh, uh, kind of flat area above below the peak that they have to climb up to the nest. They spend the night there and they get food. And um, Bokadan asks Din, "Wait, how do we eat? Did you take off your helmet?" He goes, "Yes, but we have to go to quiet areas where no one can see us, and then we're allowed to take off our helmets." And when she starts to get up after everyone's lead has left, Paz says to her, no, you are the leader of the war party. You get to sit here and take off your helmet and eat by the fire. And we see her take off her helmet, and Katie Sackhoff is just kind of by herself, alone, maybe contemplating things and this whole situation and thinking about it more. We go to the next morning. They come up with a plan. They start climbing up the peak. 
Paz, Paz jumps into the nest when he shouldn't jump into the nest because he, he wants to save his kid. And we find out there's actually three foul, three uh, little mini baby pterodactyls there. And then they fight off the, they fight them off. And then the main tear, the mom pterodactyl shows up, takes the kid, takes off. The Mandalorians with Bo-Katan pursue this creature. And then the creature is eventually, they save Ragnar, and then the creature is eventually eaten by the same thing that disturbed their ritual in the first episode for Ragnar. So interesting stuff that goes full circle. Bo-Katan, and they all end up back at the cave there with the armor. The armor invites Bo-Katan in. She starts, she sees that she's missing a piece from her shoulder or armor. And he, she strokes her shoulder, just like a cult leader might do, strokes feeling the contact, and so starts talking about the armor and building something for her. She says she wants, uh, Bo says she wants half Night Owl, half uh, Mythosaur. And then Bo says, so, like, what if I happen to have seen a Mythosaur? And Armor's like, yeah, you're going to see some visions if you're part of this covert. That's kind of how it is. No, no, but what if I really saw one? Like, what, what if I saw one? And the Armor is just like, yeah, no, no big deal. This is how it's going to happen when you're part of this thing. And kind of blows it off. So very interesting stuff to see her surrendering the information of the Mythosaur, Mythosaur rather, to the armor, but doesn't hasn't told Din about it yet, but tells this person about this deep secret of hers, like a cult leader would do, get the deep secret out of you. So very interesting stuff here. Shannon McClung, please oh, man. take it away. <laughs> I have my opinions on it. Please, Shannon, your opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're building, sorry. You're building, a, you're building a cult <laughs> coral reef off of Hayward Island. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't see you, Johnny, for all the straws that you're grasping at right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what um, do you think of this? How they handled Bo, man? So the oh. whole big thing, like uh, one I last do thing, feel like, and they got the foundlings, and they took the three foundlings off the ship. I forgot to mention that the yes. three little pterodactyl foundlings. I don't know what they're going to do with those, but yes, they're go ahead. fly them <laughs> or cook yeah, them. They're, 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 they're going to ride those things. Um, right. But I do feel like this is where maybe they are dropping the ball a little bit in the writing because you see them training on the beach. You see blaster fire hitting the water where not oh, that yeah. long ago, a giant crocodile tortoise came and killed a bunch of them. It's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't shoot the water. And then the whole training sequence, like, you know, I, I, I didn't get the sense that this is an army training. I get the sense that this is, they're training the next generation of Mandalorians because the way that they survive is by doing these bounties. Hmm. Like that's how they're able to sustain themselves as as a culture at this point um the moment that the raptor flies out and grabs ragnar (laughs) and like i i did like that they addressed the fact that their their jetpacks can only hold so much fuel right like you know this this is what happens you know they always get away and it's like okay i get that you all are on this planet (laughs) because maybe this is the only place that people aren't looking for you this is where you feel safe I do feel like that maybe needs to be articulated. How many because times did this happen? Pat says it's happened multiple times. Like, why are yes! you having better safeguards for this situation? No, it's time if, to find. It's time to find another cave. <laughs> if this is what is happening on the reg, you either need to tell Din. Like Din says, "Hey, why are we here?" And they're like, "This is the only place we're safe. This is the only yeah. people. Only place where people aren't looking for us." Um, the I do agree that shot of uh, Bo Katan's ship going after like again really great um, cold open, yeah. Because essentially that's what this was a gigantic cold open. But that shot of the ship going into the sunset, you know, cut to the Mandalorian title card like that's a great like all right here we go. Um, 
watching the discussion of like, okay, this is what we have to do. Yeah. Uh, um, the, 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 <laughs> my wife had actually said a couple of times, like if they don't take their helmets off, how do they eat? So I like that that was actually addressed. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. this is, this is how, this is how eating works in our culture is you go off by yourself. And then the whole thing with Paz, because I think at the time we didn't know that Ragnar, did we know that Ragnar was his son at that point? No, or was it, was, it, they say it wasn't in the nest. So Ragnar, so uh, Paz telling Bo, and and like, we don't know Paz Vizsla that well, but what yeah. we do know is he's, uh, he throws his weight around. Like he's, he, you know, he's, oh, he's sure? not, he's not lacking for confidence. And to see him be the one to deliver that message to Bo, like, no, no, you're the war party leader. You get to stay by the fire. Like, again, that was a nice connection moment. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just warming her up to the cult as well. Possibly. But he was Who also knows? the one that fought Din for the dark saber, wanted to take it off him and thought he didn't deserve it. So yep. yeah, because yeah. his ancestor is the one who made the dark saber and his other ancestor is the one who started death watch. Just because my dad made something to me and I deserve it. You know, it's a little, no, but it's justifiable that you could think so. It, it is. It is. If, especially if you conditioned to think that way. Sure. I agree. So they <laughs> they they get to the nest. I do like that the 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 uh, revelation that Ragnar is his son, and yeah. you see like when he's you know when you he can kind of see the finish line. You you see he sort of abandons all tactics. Like nope, that's my kid. I'm going. Um, the 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 reveal of the three you know baby raptors. Like yeah, that was fun. The whole chase, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I did think it was funny when uh, the ra- the adult raptor upchucked Ragnar. That it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently, the digestive system of a raptor isn't quite as debilitating yeah. <laughs> as like a like a right. sarlacc because that kid was dry as a bone. <laughs> um, the whole uh, you know them taking the raptor down again. That was that was just great action. Um, really, really fun stuff, and the moment that the raptor goes into the water and it's like, ah, oh, maybe there was only one crocodile. Nope. There's two. There's two. <laughs> <laughs> so the, all of the action, all that stuff was, was super fun, but I do feel like there are some things in the writing that for the audience by and large would be helpful if they articulated. Um, but the whole thing with like the whole, the mythosaur, like the armor didn't really answer. She just said, this is the way she didn't She's really say like, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of her go-to. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, no. What if I saw one in real life? And she's like, "This is the way." <laughs> like that's kind of, you know, how in Princess Princess Bride, uh, as you wish, as I love you. I think the armors is the way. Is huh? I'm not sure. <laughs> Fair okay. All right, uh, Michael. Your thoughts on all of this and and what we got here with Bo Katan is she. Do you do you feel? Let me ask you because I, I know we're battling about the cult stuff, but like, in, but in, in, oh, are we? Yeah, yeah. The other, but the other stuff is <laughs> do, where you felt at the end, and I, please talk about everything. But where, did you feel at the end, and, and and address this when you get to it, like that this is her moving closer to seeing that she could l- use this situation to put herself back in power on Mandalore. So just I don't it. know that it is, and you okay. know, I I really like Katie Sackoff, and I really like Bo Katan, so I could be. Uh, looking at this through uh, a rosy Mandalorian helmet and uh, not seeing not seeing exactly what's going on, but I don't I don't know that I do. Like, yeah. 
It's interesting. I, I thought that this season was going to be, uh, you know, Armorer versus Bo-Katan with poor Din Djarin stuck in the middle. Yeah. Is, is where I kind of thought it was going, and it doesn't seem to be going there, and that's totally fine. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. I'll talk about Bo at the end in a second. I will say at the end, at the beginning, I really liked it because, look, it's whether they are fighting because they're an army or they're raising foundlings for bounties, like – Mandalorian culture is a warrior culture. True. Now, Duchess Satine tried to change that, but they are warriors. All of their weaponry was designed because they were one of the only people that could take down Jedi. Yep. Like, that is, like, they are a warrior planet of warrior people. So them doing everything that they're doing on the beach, like, that's who they are. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, Bo kind of walking around and looking at all of them and watching them, and I think, like, there's just there's great acting happening with no face like nice. Bo-Katan walking around and just looking and pausing and like turning like it's just it's really it really works for me and you know it really looked like especially as someone who watched Clone Wars and yeah. saw her in the camps of Death Watch walk, walking around while all of Death Watch was doing basically the same thing yeah. it really felt like she was walking around being like huh all right well this is a. Uh... This kind of feels familiar. This doesn't feel too shabby. Um, I, and I also love, you know, they are definitely like, and again, it's like sort of what Shannon says about what are they trying to tell us as the audience about these characters, whether they're trying to say, hey, don't trust the armorer or Bo-Katan is out for herself or whatever. Like, it doesn't seem like they are. Like, they have made it, if you watch Boba Fett, you, they've made it very clear that Din is not great with the Darksaber. Yeah. And they have made it equally clear that Bo-Katan wields that Darksaber like a fucking boss. Yeah. And, and the then here, yeah. you've got all these guys being like, oh, we live in a cave and we run out of fuel, so I guess the raptor took the kid. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> and Bo-Katan's like, I got a ship, guys. I got this. Well, this is, um, this is the frustrating thing I say. You're saying they're a warrior culture. They understand things. Blah, blah, blah. But then they're like, oh, we're out of fuel. So which is it? It's confusing Well, to that's me. just, to Shannon's point, so that's just maybe not the best right. I mean, like, all yeah, they have to really they just have to have the armor say like we're staying in the harshest environment because no one's going to look for us here and as mandalorians right. like it's our it's part of our creed that we're going to like make it as hard for us. like they could just in one line you could have yeah. bo-katan being like why are you living next to the water with the crocodile and they could say that it's it, because you know after what the empire has done this is this is what we need to do to be ready for anything or whatever and you'd be like yeah okay whatever also, um, so it's really like a line of dialogue but they're always seeking the tougher challenge the mandalorian yeah so like and so to that. shannon's point it's not you don't need an entire five minute sequence right. to break you could just like yeah okay just say something and you're like cool it's just like they do with the whole how do i eat thing like they yeah. addressed it really quickly and you're like yeah, all right cool but again i just like the fact that Bo-Katan is a badass and it also is accurate like again I mean I keep talking about her history but she was at the beginning of Death Watch she went up against Darth Maul like she yeah. has done some major things like so it makes sense that she is of all these warriors like she is one of the best um so her going off and doing the thing her leading the war party all really, really interesting. I mean, again, I do think that in a show called The Mandalorian, where Din Djarin is supposed to be our Mandalorian, he did kind of take a giant step back here. Yeah. But as far as it being a really great Bo-Katan story, it was. I mean, her leading yeah. the war party was really neat. And even the stuff with the food, like in addition to answering how the Mandalorians eat, it also 
watching her sort of be a little bit riskful. Well, how do we do this? Like, how am I supposed to do this? Like, da, 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 da. Um, you know, you could look at it as she's just trying to bide her time and be part of the crew until she makes her move. Or you can be like, look, homegirl had like a religious experience is a little bit off her game. Isn't sure. And is just like, okay, let's see what's going on here because all of my people are gone. Yeah. Um, and then just watching them all climb the thing. Like it was, I, sh I think Shannon is right in the bigger picture of like, well, where is Mandalorian as a show going? And I don't quite know where we're going, but just as a fun star Wars sequence, a bunch of Mandalorians scaling a mountain to fight a giant monster and to have this extended action sequence of all of them flying around with their jetpacks to rescue the kid and everything that goes on. And then like the amazing, like Ragnar gets dropped and the swooping down to rescue him. Like it was just a fun, thrilling action sequence followed by one of those cheesy, stupid star Wars things that I love. Like, why do they rescue the, the three babies and say, Hey, I got three more foundlings for you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably doesn't make a ton of sense, but in star Wars world, <laughs> you're like, like in the, in the Star Wars world of I'm a five-year-old kid and I want to buy Bo-Katan's ship and I also want to buy the three baby birds and stuff them in the ship and like play that game for like, yeah, I'm in. Like it's yeah. silly, but it's Star Wars silly and I loved it. And then this whole scene between the armorer and Bo-Katan, not surprisingly, saw it totally differently than John did. Um, <laughs> like, again, I thought these two were going to be at odds and you're seeing them kind of come together. And my take on the armorer is mm. the armorer is definitely super tied to her faith and yeah. her faith tells her that the mythosaur is going to rise and a leader is going to take Mandalore is going to bring Mandalore back. And I don't think the armorer particularly cares if it's her or not. So when, when Bo-Katan right. is like, right. Hey, can I get, can I get the mythosaur? And she's like, we're all, the Mythosaur belongs to all of us. You can have the yeah. Mythosaur. You've got Bo-Katan has like the more modern Mandalorian armor. And now part of it is like more like tied back to her cult, to her culture. Right. And then she kind of <laughs> opens up and she goes, well, what if, to your point, what if I saw a Mythosaur? We all see visions. No, what if I really saw a Mythosaur? <laughs> and I think the armorer just goes, yeah, you know what? If you saw a Mythosaur, then the prophecy's coming true. And I think that we're all on the right path. And so this is the way is literally like, yes this is the way that we are coming back to reclaim Mandalore. Like, I think yeah. she just, I don't think that this is turning into Bo-Katan is going to steal the covert away from the no, armor. No, no. I all. think the armor is like, yeah, Bo-Katan Kreese, you are part of our covert now. And I think that you might be the one and you might finally get the thing that you've always wanted. Like, you might be the one that's going to do this on your third try. That's what I'm getting. You talk about the history of Bo-Katan. Everybody loves Bo-Katan. Such a badass, such a badass. But you can't ignore that she has a hunger for power. You cannot ignore that she is a hung and she has at times made questionable decisions in order to achieve that power, sometimes shortcuts. So here's a situation where she's homeless in essence, uh, has no friends around anymore. They've all abandoned her and she was just sitting around in the castle. And then so now the situation pops up and she has stumbled into a found family, which of course, Star Wars is always great at creating found families, which is a good thing mm -hmm. about Star Wars. And so, like, well, how is this going to come and bear fruit for Bo-Katan down the road? Will she become more of a disciple of the way than Din? And will she, with the armor and the backing of Paz Vizsla, now that he's saved or she saved his kid, is that going to give her the strength to launch yet another doomed attempt to try to rule Mandalore? I don't know. And it isn't about ego or seeing her as a bad person. 
she's just driven to be to want to lead and that's part of it and so i wonder if the um armor sees that and maybe kind of figuring it out so you see it as oh yes it might be you or it could be you yes this is the way or it could be like okay i've i see my way back using someone who also has a connection to one of the oldest clans along with uh paz Vizla, who has a connection to the oldest clan and using that as legitimizing my desire to run Mandalore, not necessarily as a leader, but certainly being the Dick Cheney to her George W. Bush. So that's very possible wow. to see that situation. I'm just wow. we could have gone, could have gone Obama, could have gone I, Biden, no. Kamala Harris, but no, we're gonna go Cheney. All right, yes. all right, yes. okay. Possibly okay. evil. I see it as possibly because I don't trust people who are very hardcore about their um, faith, religious tenets, not not in a negative way. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying you can believe what you want to believe. Believe with all your heart. I think that's great. But if you want to lord it over people, I think that's where the danger comes. And I wonder but if... I don't, again... I wonder if I the armor wants Bo-Katan, to do that. I don't know that Bo-Katan ever lorded anything over anybody, though, either. Like, I think that, like, her again, getting really... She yeah. Well, she didn't agree with her sister being peaceful, and then they went and started Death Watch, which was bad. Like, not good wow. guys. Death Watch was not the best people. They did some bad shit. Then Death Watch let Darth Maul into Mandalore, and that's where she was like, fuck, we messed up, went and got Ahsoka and said, I need your help to get this asshole off my planet. Right, right. Got the asshole off the planet, and then we then it gets a little fuzzy. We knew she was going to do some stuff. We catch up in Rebels. The Mandalorians have all sort of reverted back to clans, and she doesn't want to lead. Like, Sabine gets the Darksaber. And Bo-Katan's like, I fucked up. I don't know if I'm the one. And Sabine right. gives her the Darksaber and says, you are the one and convinces her. Yeah. And then the Empire comes down hard. Moff Gideon defeats her. Yeah. We haven't seen all of that. He gets the Darksaber. And then she's just trying to like bring Mandalore back. So is she power hungry or is she really trying to save her people's planet after the one bad thing she really did, which was joining Death Watch? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if power, I, if I said power hungry, I don't mean power hungry. I mean, she has a desire to lead. That's yes, all I'm leaving. That it. is fair. Not, that is true. Yeah, I'm not putting it a negative or positive. She just has a desire to lead. Some people now, feel I will say, destined to lead. Yeah. Just supporting what Shannon said at the top of this, because mm. I do think this was a really fun episode. I had a lot of fun. It hit all the buttons for me as far as like Star Wars nostalgia yeah. with the prequels. I love these characters. But we have spent more time talking about Bo-Katan in the, yep. and the armor in this in this spoiler review than we have talking about Din Djarin or even Grogu. Yeah. And so I think, again, like, I love this because I think Bo-Katan is a great character in the Star Wars universe. But as far as what's happening with Din Djarin's story, Shannon is uh, probably the most right out of the three of us yeah. at the top of the spoiler review saying, we're four episodes in. We don't have a ton of episodes. Where are we going this season? Right. That's a good point, because yeah, because Shannon, because the what we thought was he was gonna get to man. How how long was it gonna take him to get to the waters of Mandalore? What was gonna happen? We got that done quickly. We think he might rebel against the Mandal the uh, armor. Nope, he's uh, pretty much on board and brought a new recruit even. So yeah, and so it's an interesting situation. Any final words on this episode, brother? No, I mean I, again, I I do like what we're getting. Yeah, but I, I it, it it it's it's a it's a it's some fun. There are some fun elements with a franchise that I like. Um, if this were not Star Wars, would I be as taken with it? No. 
Um, would I have jumped ship yet? Eh, probably, probably not. I, I, you know, I, I want to stick around. And <laughs> if, if you give me enough fun stuff, I'm going to stick around to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it just, it just brings me back to episode one. Like the whole thing with IG 11, like mm. I'm assuming they wouldn't just throw that in not to go back to it. But again, the, the narratively, I, I will always struggle with the, uh, uh, Mando Grogu reunion in Boba yeah. Fett's and yeah. thus far like it, it it I'm being proven right thus far like like the, the last half of the season it could be amazing I'd be like nope I was wrong they knew what they were doing yeah. um but as of right now that's not my opinion fair enough all right well there you go that's our spoiler review for the Mandalorian uh we appreciate it madly all of you joining us here chapter 20 the founding of season three of the Mandalorian Shannon oh what do we have to tell them Yes, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, not being a cult, at MK Dune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, you're talking about cults. It's at the Roca says. Yeah, maybe I've seen too many of these cult documentaries in the pandemic. <laughs> uh, Michael, what do we have to tell them? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, if you like listening to me and Shannon's well-reasoned arguments about what's happening in the show or John Roca's wild theories, uh, we've got it all for you right here on the so Geek true. Buddies. So and here's what you can do to keep helping us do what we do. Um, definitely hit that like button below. Subscribe to John's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all Please. the amazing content he's got there leave your comments below what do you think is the armorer no good is this a cult waiting to like spring their trap is bo-katan power hungry <laughs> is she really having a religious experience what's going on with dinjarin what's going on with grogu what do we think is going to happen in the back half of this season um let us know what you think about all of this below if you are listening to us on a podcast uh go ahead and leave us some comments leave us some stars help us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your social send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go and i do want to make it very clear i'm a massive fan of the mandalorian culture and the mandalorians i just have my questions i mean they were they were my big big entryway into star wars as i've said multiple times i think they were the, the latinos of star wars um all right anyway let's get on out of here thank you all so much for joining us here for this and uh, we'll talk to you next oh don't forget our main show already is out there for you all to enjoy and our Picard show review is coming up tomorrow if you're watching this on Thursday, but look for that on Friday. What a uh, time to be a geek. It's true. It's a lot happening. So, all right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode, episode here of The Geek Buddies. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens.
Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.